Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now You want to talk about Shakespeare Love? Yeah. Oh, yes? I was in Shakespeare Love. They cast me, Ben Affleck, in oh. Shakespeare Love. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah, I, I thought you were great. Yeah. Now you're wondering yourself, you're probably asking yourself, why, why is Ben Affleck here? Because Ben Affleck's still alive. <laughs> well, I, well I, uh, you didn't die, did you? Uh, no, but my soul did. Oh, okay. Thank you. Do you remember a movie called Gili? Unfortunately. Yeah, that was the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the good Ben Affleck that was me. I'm dead. Gobble gobble, as they say. The guy that's left, a shell. A shell. This one's a shell. shell. He's a super duper pea soup of a shell. Hey, you did the town. The town was great. You did Argo. I, I didn't do that. He did. Oh. He's like a different. You ever see that episode of Star Trek? Yeah. No. Where where Captain Kirk he gets like he gets cut into two different bros. No. And then there's a one guy who's a good bro. Okay. But he's a bit of a pussy. Yeah. And then there's the crazy evil bro. But he's you know he's got some balls to him. And I feel like I'm the the other guy, the pussy one. Because I, 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 you know, I used to like to get into a scrap here and there. You know, I had a little drink, uh, go out on Broad Street. I think that's a street in Boston. It has to be, right? Sure. I go out on Broad Street. You know, have a little drink in, in New Orleans, of course. Uh, whatever street, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. street, whatever town. I'm, yeah. a, you know, I've been around Boston Street. I like to do that. But and, and I used to like to get into a scrap, you know. That's what Matt t- tells me. Oh, me and Matt Damon in scraps, you gotta believe it. Yeah. You gotta believe it, brother. But it doesn't happen anymore because I'm being I'm dead. Right? Right. And then I'm also a pussy. Right. You think I'm gonna go try to fight dead Oliver Reed? <laughs> no sir. No sir. I don't have that kinda I don't have that kind of schmutzful. Sh- sh- Plus you don't wanna take your clothes off. Well, I mean in heaven everybody's naked anyways. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, so he's right at home. So to put clothes on in heaven is like being naked here. Well, if you put clothes on heaven, usually that means they're sending you downstairs. Oh, okay. The, yeah. the, the world. A little further. Oh, uh, China. Mm, a little further. <gasps> yeah. Japan. Yeah, you got it. Oh. Yeah, it's real hard when you don't know the language. It's very hard to fit in. I mean, and the thing is, they got a lot of English there, but it just, it, it's not quite, it's just not quite right, you know? Not your kind of English. It's not my kind of English. It's, uh, I mean, it's fun. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I mean, you, you see a sign that says, like, Happy Burger, you know, you're going to chuckle. But that doesn't really help you in your, like, everyday life of trying to live as a person. So, you know, it's a good place to visit, for sure. But I don't know if I'd want to be sent from heaven there. Ben, what, what, are, you, what are you doing here, Ben? We're supposed to have a wrestling match. Uh, Oliver, look, Ollie, I told you, we drink later. I was, I was all fine for drinking, but you know you know what you get when you drink and you, you know what you like. you got to stop touching you, me, Ollie. You come back. Come back with me. We need to, <sighs> we need to, we need to wrestle. Look, i got to go figure this out, Brendan, but it's been nice being on here. I'm Let's get, get to ready meet. to rumble. Uh, 
Ollie, he just he likes to fight. I'm going to go find I like him. doing different accents when I drink. <laughs> I'm going to go find Alan Bates and uh, throw him in here as oh. my substitute. Thanks, Brendan. You're... So why was I here again before I go? Is this a podcast? This is a podcast about British oh, film. Go yeah, for it. Hit yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Screen and country. Very good. All right. Bye-bye. See ya. Let's go, Ollie. <laughs> off to off we go to grab all this house. Why are you so goddamn hairy? I'll, I'll show you some hair. Jason, again, you're late. What? What did I miss? Um, Daniel Day Lewis was here. Oh, I don't like that guy. I know he's caused me a lot of trouble over the years. Yeah, what? and he's coming back at some point. Why, why, why do you let him in? Here? Anyways, it's not important. We're yeah. here to do a podcast today. We're we're not here to jerk ourselves off. What is we're it doing called? Stupid impressions. What is their podcast? Well, impressions? I didn't do that. What are you talking? You about? You didn't hear me when I came in. I was doing an impression of uh, my favorite wrestler, the Macho Man. Oh, okay. Can you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. This is Macho Man if he's walking okay. in the room. Okay. Me. Oh yeah. Was that was Randy Savage just here? <laughs> it was pretty good, wasn't it? What? Yeah, listen to this. You know what that is? That's my elbow. Cause he did the elbow. Uh-huh. Yeah, hi, yeah. Hey. Wait, wait, wait. You want to hear my Hulk Hogan? Sure. Sup. That sounds like Hulk Hogan. To I me. was gonna say another word because it would fit Hulk Hogan, but I wasn't to say it on the podcast. Nope. nope. <laughs> but he nope. would say that. He would. Yes. Jason, what is this podcast called? This co- podcast, this podcast is called For Screen and Country. And we talk about British films as rated by the British Film Institute in the year of our Lord, 1999. The top 100 list. The top 100 British films of all time, definitively with no additions. No good British films have been made in the last 20 years. We've no. already established that. We've watched a few and none of them are any good. No, Shaun of the Dead, pile of shit. Fuck that movie. And Hot fuzz, <laughs> eat garbage. At world's end, fuck you guys once more. <laughs> we have a we we just we just have a vendetta against Edgar Wright. You, yeah, baby driver, baby, driver, baby dick. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> baby driver, don't don't pretend that you're making an American film. We know you're a Brit, you fucking scumbag. <laughs> you stay on this podcast where you are deserve to be. You don't go up there into the wider world. I don't care about Scott Pilgrim fighting the world. <laughs> this is the world you're from. That's right. And after oh. that nonsense, Brendan, what are we doing today? Well, we are eventually going to get to a movie that we're talking about oh, today. Oh, that one, yes. We are talking about number 21 on the British Film Institute Top 100 list, which of course is The Long Good Friday. But before we talk about that, Jason, we need to read some comments from our listeners regarding last week's film, Shakespeare in Love. Apologies, folks. Jason had to step out for a minute, so it's going to be just me reading these comments. Just Brendan, one half of for screen and country. Um, I'm going to say screen. Jason seems a little more country than me. Yeah, so I'm going to read these comments. Uh, these were comments from Shakespeare and Love from you lovely listeners. We have a lot of them, so we're going to get through them quickly here. Uh, so from Andrew Littlefield, he says about Shakespeare Love, I loved it. It's a bona fide crowd pleaser with romance, action, and in jokes for Shakespeare fans. Is it better than Saving Private Ryan? I think so. Oh shit, so we're starting off hot. We're starting off with a hot take. Shakespeare in Love, greater than sign, Saving Private Ryan. Continuing here, in the same vein, Kelly Ray Reeve. Says, I love Shakespeare in Love. It's probably my top five favorite movies. I'm not a huge fan of Saving Private Ryan, but that's mostly because my husband makes us watch it every time it is on. I appreciate the work that went into it, though. All right, so another another slam. Slam on Saving Private Ryan. She's 
I shouldn't say slam, but did definitely another vote for Shakespeare in Love. Um, our old pal Adam Pellman, though, says, I don't think it deserved Best Picture that year, but it's pretty great. So funny and romantic and witty, and it really comes down to the fact that Tom Stoppard is an effing genius. Yeah, I think Jason talked a lot about Tom Stoppard uh, when we talked about Shakespeare in Love last week, about how he had a lot to do with the um, with the writing of the film being so sharp. And, uh, you know, it, it yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. Tom Stoppard is an effing genius. I will join you on that mountain Adam Pellman, or that hill. Whatever. You get the idea. Uh, Next comment is from Dave Pitsnogle. I love that name. Uh, He said, it's pretty great, but there was a lot of dirty campaigning to get the the best picture win. We we talked about the whole wine scene thing. Uh, But he says, this was the second year I was actively into the Oscars, and my preferred winner lost, starting with Titanic beating LA Confidential the year before. I still personally think Saving Private Ryan should have taken it. And, of course, there is still the ongoing real debate from that year, Saving Private Ryan versus The Thin Red Line. Yeah, The Thin Red Line was also a film that was nominated that same year. Um, um, Okay, this might be controversial, guys. I, what from what I remember of The Thin Red Line, I don't remember liking it all that much that's just i'm just gonna say that i'm just gonna leave it at that i haven't seen it and i have i think i've seen it once and it was a long time ago so i'm not gonna go too too deep into that but i don't remember being that enthralled by it but maybe i should revisit it we'll see um and yeah uh titanic beating la confidential that's like a quality thing i think la confidential should be a better movie i mean if i'm a movie fan at that time that's the one i'm rooting for uh, but i think ultimately the oscars kind of made the right pick in terms of like lasting power i mean titanic who who a lot more people know titanic than like la confidential whether that's a good thing or a bad thing uh andrew parade parade parades parades i apologize andrew uh he says about shakespeare in love it's good very good in fact but it didn't deserve to beat saving private ryan for best picture it's my pick for biggest oscar injustice I mean, it's certainly up there for a lot of people. Uh, I know some people feel that way about uh, but when Green Book won Best Picture, so there's that as well. Uh, Sharon Horwitz says, I really love this movie. Everyone is giving a really fun performance. Even Ben Affleck, who I don't really care for, is fantastic in this. Of the Best Picture nominees, it's the only one I really enjoy because Sammy Private Ryan hasn't really aged as well as Band of Brothers for me. The thing that bugs me the most is that this movie is the reason Oscar campaigns are so bad now. That is that is 100% correct. And yeah, I never thought about Band of Brothers, and I'm going to make another uh, another batch of people angry right now. I've never seen any of Band of Brothers, a single a single episode uh, ever. <laughs> Not a minute. Uh, Donna Raphael says, I used to like this movie. Then I rewatched it a couple of years ago, and Gwyneth's acting was just so terrible. Oh, Everything else was great, but her prose speak really bothered me, and I don't know what changed. I still love Sliding Doors and generally like the rest of her work, but that movie, I turned it off after about an hour. I always had a problem with it winning Best Picture, though. So, wow, Gwyneth. Wow, slam on Gwyneth Paltrow. The goop. The goopster. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I think she's great in it. Um, I could see maybe why people would have a problem, especially where she's not a real Brit and, you know, she beats a real Brit for a similar film in Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth, but, uh, yeah, let me teach their own. I mean, I, I, I get, I get where you're coming from. Agree to disagree. Uh, Shay Casey says it's fine. 
I loved it when I first saw it, but I was also 18 and kind of congratulating myself for getting all the Shakespeare references, which in retrospect are pretty basic. Watched it again a couple of years ago and found it good, not great. The biggest issue is that Joseph Fiennes isn't a very compelling lead. That's an interesting point of view, too, because we talked about Joseph Fiennes uh, being more compelling, I think, in this movie than we both found him in uh, in uh, Elizabeth. So that's that's an interesting take. I, th- I thought he was uh, I thought he was pretty good in this, but hey, uh, <laughs> Will Tyre says better than Saving Private Ryan, not as good as Life is Beautiful. That is a movie that has just evaporated into time. Uh, I don't know anyone that knows what that movie is. Except for fellow uh, film aficionados like yourself, Will Tyre, and others. I know of the movie. I've never seen it. Uh, and I don't believe it had any lasting power, it seems like. But uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's great. Roberto Bernini, charming, always. Nobody ever fell out of love with him. Uh, Amanda Hudson says, I saw it and it had no impact, unlike many other movies at that age. Saving Private Ryan certainly stuck with me much more. Yeah, again, um, that's the thing. It has the lasting power. Shakespeare Love is a fun, 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 fun movie. It's great. Uh, but does it, you know, does it deserve Best Picture? I, that's that's the, de- the debate. I will stand by the fact that I don't think Saber Private Ryan is the best war movie. Um, but I, um, I do think it's, I, I mean, it's really good. And it's spawned off like a whole bunch of other even better war movies and, you know, video games and all that stuff. So there's an argument to be made here. Uh, Elizabeth Liucci says, I hope not to offend anyone, but I truly do not understand how this film is held in such high esteem. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for quoting that in the most British way you could have possibly uh, worded that. So I thank you for your respectful candor. Uh, Joe McGregor says, the first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan is better, but Shakespeare in Love is the better overall film, and I love it. That is also a very interesting take. The first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan is what most people talk about. Uh, The big battle scene at the beginning... D-Day, the D-Day invasion, and how impactful it is. And that's, I think, what got me when I rewatched that movie. I was like, that first 30 minutes is so good, and the rest of the movie is good. But that opening 30 is just impossible to follow. Uh, and it's interesting this, uh, that Joe thinks that uh, Shakespeare in Love overall is a better film. But the first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan is better than any of it. Interesting. I like that. Uh, okay, we got a few more here. Matthew P. Eels says, Not that it's the metric a film should necessarily be judged by, but I look at the career of director John Madden post-Shakespeare in Love. Uh, it's a fine film, and everything he's directed since has been fine. Nothing dazzling, nothing daring. Shakespeare in Love went through a long production process at Universal with Julia Roberts and director Ed Zwick attached for many years. Production halted with sets built uh, with sets built, and then it ended up at Miramax. Weinstein brought in Madden, Tom Stoppard, a younger lead actress. Uh, at this point, Matthew is wondering if Tom Stoppard had to give back rubs to a robed Weinstein. Uh, and the whole thing clumsily lurched to an eventual finish line. It's a pretty movie. It has wit. It has a fine cast. I think it shared a warm glow with Miramax's golden moment, but there are many more films from 1998 that have more staying power. Beautifully put, Matthew. Thank you very much. Uh, I did not know about Julia Roberts. That is crazy to me. I can't picture this with Julia Roberts. Uh, Mary Beth Ward-McDonough says, Fantastic film. Strong cast. Fun story. 
My absolute favorite thing is how they perfectly capture what Elizabethan theater was like in all its glory. I teach high school English and I'm a Shakespeare nut, so when I'm starting a play, I always show the entirety of the scenes of opening day after the kids learn about theater so they can see for themselves. They love it, and without fail, one always goes, is that Ben Affleck? Hilarious. Yeah, I think that was everyone's reaction to that movie. Is that Ben Affleck? What is he doing in this movie? And he fucking nails it. Uh, And I think it's really cool that you show this, uh, Mary Beth, you show this to... You know the theater kids before they uh, before they before they start, and I think that's a I think that's a cool idea. Um, I did like also seeing the the uh, the relationships between the actors within within the movie within the play within the movie. Uh, last but not least, certainly not least, uh, from Celine Denis or Celine Dennis. I think I was in 7th or 8th grade when it came out, and I loved it. I've seen it a handful of times throughout the years, the most recent being about a year and a half ago. I find it very enjoyable, but I'm in the camp where I don't think it was Best Picture that year, and most importantly, Kate Blanchett should have won the Oscar over Paltrow. I've been reading Shakespeare my whole life, and from this year, Elizabeth just left the bigger impression on me. Okay, strong, there we go, strong support for Elizabeth, not just uh, between Shakespeare love and Saving Private Ryan. Interesting, interesting. I am honestly surprised, um, this is just me talking about reading a comment, but I'm honestly surprised that, uh, that, like, I mean, I guess with the campaign from, you know, Harvey Weinstein, we can assume how, why this went down, but I'm, it's almost like you're surprised if this happened now that Shakespeare and Love and Elizabeth wouldn't have split the vote, leaving something else to actually win, meaning Save and Private Ryan would swoop in and, and get that Best Picture Oscar, so that is ultimately a bit surprising. All right, and the last thing here that uh, I guess I'm going to do solo here, uh, what Jason and I usually do, though, um, is we compare the movie on the AFI Top 100. Um, that is number 49 with the movie on the BFI Top 100 at number 49, which is, of course, Shakespeare in Love. This will be real quick. The AFI movie is the film Intolerance, the D.W. Griffith's follow-up to the controversial and horrifying Birth of a Nation. I have not seen... Intolerance, so the winner by default is Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> and with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to now talk about this week's movie, The Long Good Friday. Should be our fucking theme song that's I, just awesome i was gonna say out of all the themes we played and i know i've said many times that i've enjoyed a lot of these that is my favorite let's dive right into that theme because that theme reminds me of the warriors a little bit it's yeah. got that real synthy like late 70s synth sound to it it's kind of high pitched it's got a kind of a funky undertone to it and 
what, what just I like noticed, your armpits this well, morning. And what I noticed is this plays at the end of the movie, yeah. in, the, in the very final scene of the movie as well. And and I noticed it has a bit of a little bit of an Irish feel to it when you think about it. Mm. So is this foreshadowing in the opening credits that if you listen close, it sounds a little bit like like a synth version of like kind of an Irish sounding like and it's like kind of like the track Irish sounding uh, bit to it is kind of creeping up on the music, yes. kind of like this movie. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. I never even thought about that. Yeah. So uh, get ready, Irish, because you're in for it today. <laughs> <The> long... <laughs> <laughs> no, just just chastise him right off the bat. I knew we'd get that on this episode. As soon as this movie started, I was like, oh god, here Jason goes. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so the Long Good Friday. Uh, released in 1980 yeah starring bob hoskins mm. so last time we'll talk about him unless he's on one of those sequels or remakes or something really he's not on any other movies on the list i feel like he's been in a number of them yeah this is the last one we'll talk about with him yeah. how many have we done with him? uh three or four because we it was he's brazil in, and there was mona lisa, mona lisa brazil and he's also he was in zulu dawn right that's why zulu, yeah. that's why we see him another time uh bob hoskins plays harold shand the gangster the king of england as he says yeah uh, P.H. Moriarty plays his, uh, his right-hand man, Razors. With the fucking badass scar across his eye. Yeah, who almost has no dialogue. Yeah. Um, he just stands there with that mighty scar and badass mustache looking mean. It's such a good scar, Jason, that you should be prepared. Oh, be prepared. Not in the remake. Fuck you. Um, waste. Helen Mirren plays his uh, Bob Hoskins' girlfriend, Victoria. Yes, she does. Dave King is Parky, a cop that uh, is a is a little uh, little on the uh, on the down low. The take you would the say take. he is in his pocket. Brian Marshall is Harris, a city councilor who is a drunken buffoon who looks who looks vaguely of uh, uh, David. Um, Coulier. No, the guy that was in fucking Tron. David Warner. He looks like David Warner. <laughs> David He's Coulier. like a skinny David Warner. S- Counselor Harris says, cut it out. <laughs> uh, Derek Thompson is Jeff, who, by the way, it says, and introducing Jeff, yes. which I thought was wild because I just assumed he'd been acting for a while. Yeah, no, this was one of his first things. And, and I just I'll point this out right now as part of the trivia. I don't know if you know this. The, that actor, what's his name? Derek Thompson? Derek Thompson. Derek Thompson is on a British TV show called Casualty. Casualty debuted in 1986. Mm-hmm. It is still on. It is a medical drama. And wow. He has been on it for almost all of it. Wow. He's taken a couple breaks over the years. Is he still on it? He's still on it. Is to it this a day. soap opera? Kinda. I don't know if it's like a soap opera specifically, but it's like a British medical procedural. I've okay. watched it, but no, he plays a character named Nurse Charlie, who's been who's li- who's been there. His character was there for ten years uh, when the show started, and so his yeah, he's been on that show for thirty years, and he's still doing it. Well, Eddie Constantine, who I recognized from something else, plays Charlie the American, or the yes. Yank, as he say. Is he, he can't actually be American, can he? I don't know. He sounded American. I don't know. That accent was a bit weird. Uh, Paul Freeman is Colin, the unfortunate lad from the beginning of the film. And Jason, in a very small role. Yes. Pierce Brosnan Ooh. as the character First Irishman. Looking very young and smoldering. Oh, is he ever? Yes. I thought he and Colin were going to get and it. I, oh. I, I noted in my notes, I thought it was how progressive of them to hire an actual Irish guy to play an Irishman, despite the fact that he's not actually supposed to speak a single word, even though he does say hi in the shower. Well, Jason, I want to say right right off the bat, before we even get into this movie, that you saw that the, I mean, you saw, none of the people saw this, no. but at the beginning of the film, it says Handmade Films. Yes. That is actually George Harrison of the Beatles. Of the Beatles. His production company. And the reason Handmade Films picked this up is George Harrison saw the movie and was a big fan of the film. And um, it was going to air on TV um, after its release. Mm. Um, censored with about 75 minutes cut out of the movie. 
Uh, and Hoskins was wait the worst part. Wait, wait. So it was going to be like a twenty-two minute episode of television. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it'd still be another eighty-five minutes or something. It's, it's two it's, hours. It's, it's an hour and fifty-four minutes. Okay, well, be, okay, be whatever. Less than an hour. Anyway, <laughs> seventy-five minutes cut out. And Hoskins, this is the worst part. Yeah. was going to be dubbed over by another actor. Yeah. yeah. So George Harrison heard about this, purchased the movie, and said, "No, no, 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 no." Yeah, I think Hoskins was. I think they, him and his agent and were going to sue the studio if they went ahead with that plan. They put the Kai Bosch on that. Yeah, you can't you can't dub Bob Hoskins. Part of the joy of Bob Hoskins is Bob Hoskins' voice and accent. Exactly. Yeah, Jason, this is this is a well. This is a very. We should say though, this is a. Very early work for Bob Hoskins. This, this is his breakout. This breakout movie for so sure. So at the time, people saying, yeah, we're going to dub Bob Hoskins. No one would think twice about it in mm-hmm. 1980. But either way, Jason, tell us what The Long Good Friday entails. Well, I wrote a, I wrote like a paragraph summary that reads like the back of a video box. So mm-hmm. here we go. Go ahead. Harold is a gangster who wants to go legit and is attempting to broker a real estate deal to further his legal ambitions. But when people start dying around him and bombs start going off, Harold is desperate to figure out who's behind it all before the deal with the Americans goes south. That's basically it. This movie yeah. takes place over the course of what two days? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's long called, Good Friday. It should be called the Long Good Friday and Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, it basically mostly takes place over the course of a day and a little yeah. bit. And I think that really, uh, what I was struck by right off the right from the get go is how kind of paced this is because I expected kind of like a drawn out movie and I was ready for a drawn out movie I mm. kind of prepared myself like this is a gangster film from 1980 it's probably not going to be super fast I was expecting paced. a Guy Ritchie movie so <laughs> I, I, I didn't think it was going to be like super fast paced or you know very very uh, not not too flashy and it has moments like that yeah well yeah but I think for the most part I was like I was I was in yeah. because this movie is a whole thing of like who's doing this, yeah. who's setting off like all these bombs, who's fucking with his operation. Yeah. Is it someone from within? Bob Hoskins getting very nervous because I mean, uh, for most of the movie we don't know who and we don't even know why. We're we're as clueless as he is. And it's funny that you mentioned he's trying to go legitimate because he's trying to go legitimate by dealing with the American mafia. Let's just say that right <laughs> yeah. off the bat. That's <laughs> as legitimate as he can get. But he's getting in. He's not dealing with like contraband or although he didn't. He says he never dealt drugs, but yeah. like he's not dealing with illegal shit. He's dealing with like actual legal purchases of land to then develop probably uh, maybe using like underhanded means paying yeah. Irish laborers less which we you know we, we learn labor later in the movie why that happens mm-hmm. yeah, well and, so. and and um he's trying to basically think his ultimate goal is to build an olympic stadium which is funny because uh london not only did not have the olympics in 1988 that was seoul in south korea mm-hmm. uh, london declined to even put a bid in on them so despite the fact that in this movie harold is a very forward-thinking character because in in the 1970s right this is when the european economic community was spinning up and you had this common market and more countries were coming into it and so he's very much has a vision he's like europe is where it's at right mm-hmm. and we need to make london the capital of europe and and we can get the money out there and he later in the movie talks about doing business with germans and stuff and so he's very forward thinking and and uh if things hadn't turned out quite the way they did he could have had a a very profitable uh career ahead of him um and it's kind of ironic thinking about that in the modern context of uh britain leaving the european union yeah hot off the press exactly like a whole different no it's a whole opposite thing now like that guy would probably be mad about that because even even, yeah well oh i don't think we oh hi i'm bob hoskins you saw my movie. I'm not going to tell you shit about it because that's for you to decide. That's for you to understand. I'm not a. I'm just a uh, a person who puts something out there. You interpret it. So see you next week, Bob. Bye.
in a puff of smoke. <laughs> he was wearing that hat from Brazil with the long bill. Uh, with the long oh, bill. I, I can I only, I can only hope so. <laughs> um, well, it's it's interesting you say you mentioned he's kind of forward thinking about these things because I think if you could describe his character mm. in this movie, he's got. One toe in the future and yep. the rest of his feet in the past. Yes. Because he's he's forward thinking into like, you know, how can we improve? How can we... Uh, I, he even talks about cleaning the, the city up, which I think he has kind of a short-sighted there, view. There's, I think there, there's some racist connotations some, to that too. Yeah, and they don't hide that, which is nice. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't try to sugarcoat him and make him a perfect person. Oh, God, no. Um, used to be full of decent people, he says, to the black kids and the young, minorities that are in the neighborhood. Used to be full of decent families. Yeah, and, and in that scene where he's even, where he's saying that to the young uh, black man, uh, the movie is not, is not taking his side. No. Because we see that man looking very like sullen at this kind of comment, like, wow, really, dude? Yeah. Like right <laughs> in front of me and everyone like, um, but it, what was I going to say? Yeah, so he's got he's kind of got his feet in the past too. Not only with the casual racism, but also he is not really accepting that things are changing in the world of crime. He, he, I, I think he wants to change. Obviously, he wants to change because he wants to get into legitimate business. The problem is, is that despite all his optimism, despite his forward thinking, he doesn't necessarily know how to make a clean break. And he clearly hasn't because he continues to operate as a fucking gangster mm-hmm. throughout this movie. <laughs> And, and it's so many people around him. I mean, you, you talked about the Irish influence in the in the theme, and we'll mm. get to this big thing. But he's constantly being told the IRA is like a new thing, or I guess it was kind of no. Was, the IRA they, around they, for a while, they gained a lot of traction at this the, time. The troubles, as it were, started in about 1969. So yeah. you figure by the time they filmed this movie, the troubles had only really been going on for a decade. I was going to say 1969, only 10 years before this yeah. movie. So, but they were, but they were, they're basically telling him like this is not something to toy with. Like you don't want to mess with the IRA. Yeah. And uh, but these guys are fucking serious. They, these aren't just some dime store hoods. These are fucking yeah. hardcore freedom fighting terrorists who right. are ready to do whatever they, they need don't. Care about money? No, they don't give. I mean, they they want it, but it's not. That's not their primary motivation. And Harold is used to dealing with these, you know, these lower end gangster types, and he's been able to just wipe them out. So for someone to come along, he can just along, swing his dick around, and that works with those sorts of people. Well, and we all see his dick. Yeah. Um, but for someone to come along and just say, "No, you can't do it with these people," it's just it's unheard of to him. Well, he doesn't like being told what to do. So clearly. much so that it results in something crazy later yeah. when he's confronted with that whole thing, um, which, well, of course, we'll get to in a bit, but. I mean, let's talk. So, I mean, let's talk about like Bob Hoskins a little bit. Can I? I just want to play his speech that he gives everyone on the boat. Yes, because this is like you. You said he's talking about moving forward, yeah. and this is kind of. Uh, I think this is kind of like the best representation yeah. of kind of who he is. This is kind of his general thesis for what his approach is to business at this point and what he wants to do. I'm not a politician. I'm a businessman with a sense of history, and I'm also a Londoner. And today. It's a day of great historical significance for London. Our country's not an island anymore. We're a leading European state. And I believe that this is the decade in which London will become Europe's capital. Having cleared away the outdated We've got mile after mile and acre after acre of land for our future prosperity. No other city in the world has got right in its centre such an opportunity for profitable progress. 
So it's important that the right people mastermind the new London. Proven people with nerve, knowledge, and expertise. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you are all here today. So, after this speech, so during this whole thing, the whole you you mentioned like you know people are bombing his businesses, businesses. Uh, some of his underlings get killed right from yeah. the beginning of the Straight movie. Straight up assassinated. And this whole time he's trying to cover it up because he's mm-hmm. trying to make this deal, right? This legitimate deal. Um, by the way, the opening heist or the opening scenes where like you see this deal going down, the guy skimming money, yeah. people getting uh, killed, a car blowing up. I love that whole thing, and I love how there's almost no dialogue. There's no dialogue and and no context. It's also very confusing because yeah. you have no idea what's going on. And I thought I when I started watching it, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be one of those movies where there's like 200 names going around. <laughs> I'm gonna have to like walk, read the Wikipedia page as I'm going, but. They make it pretty clear pretty yeah. quickly. Like they did a good job of like making you know exactly who that was, what was going on, without spoon feeding it after. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's his that's his thesis. Yeah, I also like in that speech uh, again indicative of this forward thinking, but also the guy he was. He talks about the right people, and I think in his case, what I read into that is that when he says the right people, he means that in the way that somebody like uh, President Trump would mean the right people, in that people that have money that are willing to contribute mm-hmm. to the, the operation, but also have an unwavering loyalty. Thought, now, to be fair, I believe that Harold would be far more loyal in return than a guy like Donald Trump would be, because he'd just throw you under the bus minute one. But also, he's a gangster, and business comes first. So I he was, will throw you under the bus if he has to. Harold Shand for president That's over right. Donald Trump. <laughs> the best prime minister England has ever seen. What, what I like about this character, um, because Bob Hoskins is amazing in this movie, amazing all the time. Mm. Uh, his best role, you'd say Mario Brothers? Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Okay. <laughs> you, you talk about it every time. <laughs> Non-ironically. Um, no, his uh, he's amazing in this movie. But like, what I really like is, like, if you take this movie and Mona Lisa, very different characters. Yes. This one, he's not a schlub. No. I feel like in Mona Lisa, he's more of a schlub. He's a, he's a lot more likable. He's like a low-level guy in Mona Lisa. That too. He's just, he does, you know, he does the yeah. job here or there. In this yeah. one, he's running the whole show. He's running the whole show. You also don't ever see him kill anyone in Mona Lisa. I don't believe. No, I'm going to say this movie. I'm like, no, he does in this movie. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not as often as I thought that no. it was going to be. Um, he has people for, to do that for him. But then you have, but then you have this other side of him, mm. and what I really liked is you don't see this in a lot of American gangster movies. You certainly don't see this in a lot, and it's, this is not to knock anyone, but you don't see it a lot in like Martin Scorsese films. You don't see a lot in in other kinds of gangster movies in America. He has a very sensitive side. He does, and he yeah. openly cries. I mean, he he tr- hides it a little bit because yeah. he doesn't, but he doesn't full out ball like ball his eyes out in front of his underlings or whatever. But he has a couple scenes where he almost comes to tears. Well, he's clearly deeply affected by Colin's death. He clearly was very close with Colin and 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 thought of him, must have thought of him as like a brother, I meaning where he was that dis- that broken up by his death. Which is interesting because Colin's a homosexual yeah. and he doesn't even like mention, that doesn't even come to his mind, which I know we said he's, there's some casual racism there, yeah. but he doesn't appear to be like homophobic. No, I, but I also I think that's one of those things where, you know, you have these people in the past that are like, you know... Uh, he does, what but he's he does. one of the good ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. Like it's like, well, he's he, he's he's individually proven himself to Bob Hoskins to be a loyal friend, yeah. and so he doesn't even think about that. 
And don't get me wrong, I'm yeah. not saying, oh, he's racist but not homophobic. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. I just mean, like, it's interesting that that doesn't yeah. even come into his mind. Yeah, and, and you have to think, too, that if he had a black guy in his life that had proved loyal to him, that he probably would uh, probably. still be racist, but it would be like, nah, he's all right. Like you said, he's, quote, one of the good one ones. One of the good ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he also, at his side, he has Helen Mirren playing Victoria, who I think... Kind of. Well, actually, at first, I thought she was going to be kind of the sensitive side of him. Mm. But she's kind of not. I And I kind of thought that she was going to be like the Lorraine Bracco from Goodfellas. Like, yeah. just kind of the shrill girlfriend type role. But not she's not that at all. She's as much a part of this thing as he is. She is definitely integral to helping run this thing. Um, so much so that I have this little scene of them just talking back and forth. And yeah. you'll see how just casually she she's in the know. Have a bloody memory. She thinks Paula is an angel and I'm the devil in disguise. Ah, well, me and Paula have only been divorced ten years, but I've given her a chance to get used to it. Cheers. Cheers. Have you organised everything? Yeah, it's coming along. Charlie should be landing about now. Yeah. Cheers. Maybe we should have gone to the airport to meet him. No, play it cool. When the governor of Coca-Cola drops into London, the Queen don't go dashing off to Heathrow, does she? Queen? Yeah, well, you know what I mean. We'll, we'll play that up, right? You went to school with Princess Anne, played hockey with her, all that. There's lacrosse at Benedon. Hockey's frightfully vulgar. Yeah, yeah, plenty of that. <laughs> the Yanks love snobbery. They really feel they've arrived in England if the upper classes treat them like shit. Gives them a sense of history. <laughs> yeah. God damn, he's good. Yeah, so she's just right there with him. Yeah. Like, she's just playing off of him. She's not a sh- she's not shrill, like you said. She's not a damsel in distress. And this is one of the rare, like, gangster movies where these two have a pretty good relationship. It yeah. doesn't ever get broken up. No, like, he's not cheating on her. No, not that she's we She's not cheating on him. No. Uh, there was an attempt. There's one one she, brief moment where she's just like, oh, saved by the bell. Yeah, <laughs> and by the way, when as soon as the, that in that elevator scene, by the way, where she, where Jeff, uh, his second hand, kind of grossly hits on her. I want to lick every inch of you. Yeah, that was that was gross. Um, I totally called the Save by the Bell line. As soon as the <laughs> bell, I was like, she's going to say it, she's going to say it. Boom, screech, you didn't start nothing. No. But in 1980, that was, people were just probably on the floor, like slamming their heads into the ground, laughing so hard. Just busting their veins. Jeez, going nuts. Yeah. I want to lick every inch of you. Saved by the bell. Good night. Um, and, and like another another bit too. Um, we talked about him hiding his emotions. He also kind of hides it when he goes and meets. Um, so later on, we find out, of course, his his guy Jeff, mm. who seems very put together and casual for the first little bit until we see him hitting on Helen Mirren. We're like, whoa, who is this character? Um, but we find out that he sent Colin off. Uh, one of the underlings, the one that died at the beginning, yeah. to do this job for you know the IRA ostensibly, and because of that, the driver got killed. Yeah. Who the wife, the widow of that driver, is now mad at Colin. Yeah, Bob we, we, Hoskins. You see her in the very beginning of the movie when the spit motor, on him. The motorcade pulls up. She gets out of this funeral motorcade <sighs> specifically to walk over to him, who's sitting there on the sidewalk just having a coffee, and she just hawks it right in his face. Right in his face, and we don't know why at that no. moment. We get it later, certainly by the end of it. Yes. Um, but when Bob Hoskins goes to talk to her, you can see him like trying not to cry. 
which I think is really I think that's such a cool choice I wonder if that's a Bob Hoskins choice over a yeah. director because it feels feel like to me a director of a gangster movie and maybe not but like would come on and be like no 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 this is like a tough motherfucker and he don't take no shit but he also he also approaches it both as a sympathetic person but also as a gangster in the sense that he's like what do you need and she's like 100 pounds a week and he's like done what else do you need <laughs> and um, then she says my husband back so Helen Mirren has some thoughts about this movie, though, because, I mean, we talked about her character a little bit. Mm-hmm. She she basically said, the only thing that I think wasn't super brilliant about this script, as is very often the case, even to this day, is that the female character is kind of under-realized. Yeah. Um, she said she kind of very one-dimensional, very thin. She said, I feel, felt like I was there like an appendage. Mm. Um, she actually said this directly to the writer and the director, and then they said, uh, okay, we'll develop the role a little bit before shooting. And then she said she arrived on the set and very little had changed. Yeah, I mean, it feels like she like like she isn't in the movie as much as she should be. I think that's how it feels to me. Like she feels like she is an integral plot or an integral part of what's going on. But mm-hmm. she could definitely have more scenes in this movie. She did say that um, she didn't really realize at the time as a young actress, uh, you know, someone who hadn't done a lot, mm. is that you could you could just you know show up and ask for changes mm. she's like I, she didn't think that was a thing that you would do especially not you know uh the morning of a shoot but obviously directors do that all the time well it's it, that's a hard thing to ask i imagine as a young actor or, or at least actress. discuss yeah you know just kind of to get out especially get a when you have no clout you have no experiences you're like one of your first big roles you don't yeah. want to rock the boat too much you don't want to get a you know get a reputation as a whiny or hard to work with but in true helen mirren fashion jason she said I've done very. I had done very few films up to the up to then, and I was a pain in John McKenzie's butt. I know I was the director, <laughs> and he sa- and she says, but he was a wonderful filmmaker. And Barry Keith's script was one of the best I'd ever read. Um, and then uh, and then uh, they they so they changed some things. So so what changed in the movie is um, the scenes where she's in the restaurant with the mafia men with the american mafia and she's kind of handling that mm-hmm. while bob hoskins is on the lookout to try to find who's fucking with him um that wasn't in originally that wasn't her just like you know trying to cover up for him and then the mafia saying no no come on we're not stupid we know what's going on we've seen these bombing we know it's not a gas leak like yeah. we know um maybe we'll just play a clip of this because yeah. I, I i do want to hear this um and then we'll talk about it a bit. so charlie how did you know about the bombs it's our business to know these things. And Ricardo, bottle of champagne. Very common. Harold has got bad problems, sir. But he's dealing with them right now. He's been dealing with them all day. He's very thorough. I like your loyalty. I'm being frank. Victoria, unless you tell us what Harold's bad problems are and how he's dealing with them, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. Tony and me, we're going to leave the table. We're going to check out of the Savoy. Grab the first plane home. There will be no deal. It's not a good idea to bullshit us, Victoria. Cheers. Well. A car was blown up. Then a bomb was found at the Mayfair Casino. It hadn't detonated. One of our men was found dead in a swimming pool. Yeah, it was stabbed. I'm giving Charlie all the essential details. I think that is an essential detail. Auto, casino, stabbing, a bar blowing up. What is this, a gang war? No, no question. Then what? 
Isn't it obvious, Charlie? This deal is very big. Someone is envious. Harold and I have no doubt that by tomorrow the problem will be settled. You sound very confident. I am. So that wasn't in the script, that whole scene. And then the other thing that they, they added in after is during that later scene where Hoskins brutally murders Jeff. Yes. Uh, which, him. Yeah, which I'm I'm going to assume has something to do with the fact that he went under his nose, but a lot to do with the fact that he's telling Harold the IRA are nothing you can stop and it's inevitable and you will crumble. Yeah. And he just loses his shit and murders you're them. You're not even shit under their shoe or something. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what sets them off. Them off. Like, um, the idea, yeah, because he's clearly a guy that's worked his way up from the bottom and he clearly spent a lot of time on the bottom being stepped on and he doesn't take kindly to being told that he's being stepped on. Started from the bottom, now he's here. Huh. Uh, but, but after that, um, she's, she, they added the scene in where she's basically taking care of the evidence. She's burning the clothes and stuff, mm-hmm. and that's another thing they added. So they did work with her a little bit um, in, in, you know... Again, increasing the fact that she's necessary for him. Like, she literally is helping him manage his existence at that point. Yeah, and she does thank Bob. Yeah. She says, without Bob, it would have been impossible because he was the star of the movie. If he had been resistant to any of these changes, she said, my cause would have been lost. There would have mm-hmm. been nothing. Um, and he was very open to these. He said, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Of course, to, if you it makes someone else's character, especially a supporting you into a better character, it only makes you a better character. Yeah, absolutely. It's like wrestling, Jason. Yeah, exactly. If you don't make the other guy look good, yeah. it just it just doesn't it makes you yeah. look better. Exactly. If you make them you, look good. You, you both can come out of it looking like roses. Yeah. Bob Hoskins, by the way, enters this movie all dressed in white. Yeah. And, and coming off the Concord. What? Did you notice that? The plane he's coming off of is the Concorde, so he must be coming back from, like, overseas or something. Well, he, he does. He said he was in New York, right? He, well, yeah, he went to have a yeah. meeting with them. So he flew from New York to London in five hours because he was on the fucking Concorde. That's how rich he is. Oh, it's an easy way to set that up. He is loaded. Loaded. Yeah. He's also, like, a fucking, like, I, I he's almost like an old-school lord. Mm-hmm. In that there's that scene in the in the meat packing uh, plant. Oh my god! Where yeah. he kind of he literally calls his ban- well, not literally, but he calls his banners. He gets all the fucking guys in there. He has all the guns laid yeah. out. And he's like, "We're going out. We're gonna f- uh, pick up some people. We're gonna find out what's going on. Everybody, take a gun. Try not to hurt them because we want them alive." <laughs> yeah, and, and and yeah, he's like assigning guns and people to each yeah. person. Absolutely. I thought you were going to talk about the later meat packing scene. Oh, in the uh, where, where they, they bring on the hooks tied up upside down. Yeah, yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Brazil. <laughs> yeah, I, I half expected uh, most of these people to get killed in this. Scene. Yes, uh, and no, that doesn't actually happen. But they, uh, one of them, gets the shit kicked out of him by, by Jeff. Jeff, which is another like thing. Like, whoa, Jeff! Like he started because I think up to that point, up to the point where you see him with Helen Mirren alone. Mm. Um, he's kind of he's there. He, like he's good, but he's just kind of he's his cool. Own. And they make yeah. they make reference to that at one point. He's uh, let me just pull the line here. Hold okay, on pull the line, Jason. Pull that line up to the surface and get I that fish. And show me how many I pounds it is. I am vamping while you find this. Uh, fish are not something I enjoy as a meal. Okay, he says. Uh, they they literally make reference to that at one point. How cool he was. Because Bob's uh, Bob Hoskins Harold says, uh, "How do you die show cool?" And he says, well, "I'm on the winning side." That's true, and that's, yeah. his, and, that's and so he's like got this kind of cool demeanor the whole movie. He's reliable, he's loyal, he's always there, ready to do what needs to be done. And then yeah, he goes off in this scene. He just completely loses it and just goes after this guy. And why we have to assume it's because this guy might reveal what's going on, or yeah, yeah is he trying to deflect his own uh, uh, guilt to this guy? Yeah, because he does kill. He does kill that dude who kind of knows what's up, right? 
The security guard? Yeah. Because he said that, the security guard saw him or something. The one that gets crucified to the yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah that's the. Yeah. Get out, crucify someone on Good Friday. That's a good, that's a good line. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, he totally like Jeff kills him. Um, we don't see it, but we obviously know what happened, and that's such a good reveal too with the dog. Like, yeah, dog. They, the woman can't get in, so she opens up the security booth, and there's no one in there. But the dog comes out and runs up into the factory, and she follows him and takes him right upstairs. Takes her right upstairs to the body. Yeah, and there's not a lot. I wouldn't say there's a lot of like bloody violence but the, when it happens it happens oh yeah the the few scenes where it gets brutal I mean the, the bottling scene with Jeff most of all is because Bob Hoskins hits him with a fucking vodka bottle and it breaks and then he just full on stabs him and cuts open his like carotid artery on and, his neck and doesn't realize what he's doing yeah. at the, in the moment it's just he's, he, he sees red and yeah. he just goes for and it and then he sees red again yeah because he's getting the fucking blood sprayed out all over him it's like literally spraying out of his neck because that probably would happen if you hit that artery well and that's what I, I think that's why it's so shocking because yeah. it's not a very common thing in this movie. Mm. I think uh, another thing too in this movie is like, I think death surrounds the whole thing. In every scene, there's almost like something about death. Like, uh, I mean, right at the beginning, I mean, you have multiple assassinations, you have a funeral, mm. um, even the, the, the decor, the, the decor, Decor? Yeah. Is it decor or decor? Decor, decor in the I background. Think you, can say either. You, you see like these swords like pointing down, like in yeah. the background. Like everything is like a knife, a gun, like death. Like it's very macabre. The uh, it's, And it's the life that he's had to live to get where he is. Yeah. Um, and he's always living on that edge, you know? They also really capture like the drudgery. When they show like the dockyard from mm. from that that big wide angle shot, and you just see the same thing over and over and over again. It kind of reminds me of the uh, the sa- Saturday night and Sunday morning when you just see like the same roofs, yeah. like just mechanical, just, the urban rot. You know, it's probably in, you know this is England, so this is probably all holdovers from World War II shit that was built for the war effort that then just fell into de- degeneration because it was never used anymore. And the movie. Doesn't use music a lot. I mean, we played the opening, the the theme song, yeah. which comes back a couple times. But other than that, they don't really use a lot of music. No, but but what they do is that '80s synth and a little bit of white man sax in there. <laughs> but I think without the, when the, the scenes that don't have the music are so tense yeah. because of that, yeah. and you don't know what to expect, and then suddenly you have boom, things exploding, and like you know, and P- Pierce Brosnan stabbing people at a pool. Like that's compare that to watching something like. Um last week's movie Shakespeare in Love where there's almost always music of some sort underlaying almost every scene scene. even if it's just like a a, you know a violin being held like going or like what did you call like not temporary music but uh... like like ambient music almost not even ambient because it's not like it's in the room it's not diegetic music it's like uh, it's like just laden music that we'll do something with later yeah exactly (laughs) we don't want this scratch track we don't want this but something like this something like this and then they just leave it in yeah yeah (laughs) Um, no, yeah, no, it's completely uh, different from that. And, and I mean, also, if you want to compare to Mona Lisa, I mean, we also don't have a scene in the middle of the movie with a pop song, no. um, which I still think is really cool. But yeah, <laughs> it's just it's very, very different. Um, it, and a lot of people say this is like the British Godfather. Hmm. I've heard it. I've seen it like referred to by that a few times. Yeah, I can see that, and it's great because it's far shorter than The Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather, yeah. And there is no sequel to this, although... Jason, we need to we need to talk about this. Should we talk about it now? It may as well. I brought it up. Okay, because this makes me upset, and I'm glad it never happened. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about... Let's let's kind of wind up to how this movie comes to a close first, because yes. I think that's important when we talk right. about this potential sequel. So... Bob Hoskins yes. kills Jeff because Jeff tells him, you know, the IRA is moving in. Yeah. And he decides, you know, the best plan of action, 
kill a couple of them, and then yeah, we'll just, just stop. We'll just deal with them. So uh, he's he's actually ready to just go off on his own and just tear the guy apart limb from limb. But Victoria stops him and is like, no, we, we can do this, but we got to relax for a sec. Like, let's figure this out. Let's think. Yeah. So they so we see them. They go to a, I, I, a stock car race, but like a dem, maybe like a demolition derby, perhaps? It's a race. It, it's a it's race a for sure, but they really seem to be crashing with each other. Like yeah. it's, uh, But anyways, it, it's a race. And I really like that setting, by the way. Yeah. Because no, it's, it's so much like chaotic. Like. It's chaotic. And, and also, this is indicative of something I haven't mentioned yet, but I want to point out. This movie is incredibly colorful. Yes. This this I don't know what it is, and I don't know if it's just because we watched Shakespeare in Love last week, and that's a pretty colorful movie too. But it didn't just pop like this movie did. Mm. I don't know if that's because Criterion did such a good job with the transfer. Oh, it's beautiful. Everything in this movie looks so colorful and beautiful, and especially at the race because you have all the cars that are all painted up and everything, and it's nighttime and all the lights are lit up, and it's like a kind of a dirt track and a stadium full of people. It's really cool. But anyways, point is they go in, mm. they go into the booth like where he's hanging out, big and glass booth, big glass booth, and they go and they uh, Bob Hoskins has a um, a suit case full of money 60,000 pounds and they want to talk to the main guy and he's like oh well, he's out racing so wait which is the- crazy like right off the bat you're like oh you're so uneasy because it's like no no their boss is out fucking racing right yeah. now <laughs> and then you see him he just won the race so he's doing his victory lap in the car or whatever it's so got ash back. all over his face and so they're kind of standing around there and as they're standing around there you see there's a fucking sniper that's up nearby that is aiming at Bob Hoskins yeah but Bob moves out of the way of the window so the sniper kind of has to think he knows off. You think he knows about that? Do you think sniper? he know? Well, not necessarily about the sniper, but do you think he kind of has it in the back of his head to be like, maybe I shouldn't be right in front of the window? Yeah, there's probably some of that. At some point, he might just be like, maybe I should step over. Do, you know? Do you think in the like? Do you think the movie's trying to tell us that? Because I got the idea that he might. Because there was some, there was a moment. I get where, the idea that he's supposed to be a gangster with good gangster instincts because yeah. he's been around a long time. Because the guy he's gotten as old as he has without dying. The IRA guy that's sitting there, he kind of looks up like that. Like, well, yeah. you can't see me doing this, but he kind of glances like his eyes look up a little bit. Yeah. And I think Bob catches that, that and I think his, yeah, he's kind of like, I'm just gonna hang back. Because because when he when he he moves over, he eventually sits down by the walls. So yeah, back that's that. Up. That's that's, that's thing that got me anyway yeah. continue so he so they come in and he's like yeah we'll wait for him he comes up in they're like oh this is they, they introduce each other they all shake hands and then fucking everybody bursts in and just opens up with guns and they just fucking murder everybody in the room and they send him out through the glass including harris the counselor including harris the counselor who did deserve to die because he was a shithead yeah well he, he almost so fucking drunk at the i mean you heard that meeting clip earlier he yeah. almost ruins it because helen Mirren is like Oh, you know, yes, yes. Colin got murdered. And he's like, he was stabbed. He was stabbed. Unnecessary <laughs> detail. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so they they not people get thrown out of the windows and they hit the ground and then the car runs over the body and then it like flips over and another car oh, yeah. flips into it. It's just chaos. It's a complete chaos. Yeah. <laughs> but it does solve his problem at least. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Everything's gonna be fine. So he's like, oh, everything's great. So he goes back to the Americans and he's like, hey guys, he's like, I got the problem solved. We could do business. And they're like, yeah, no, no, we're this out. Is too much. We're out. And so he tells them off yeah. and gives them a wonderfully like pro-British speech of like you fucking Americans. I'm gonna I'm gonna play that in a yeah. bit. So let, we'll we'll go back to that for sure. So yeah, he does that and then uh, he leaves and. Uh, well, he 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 has Victoria in the car. Yes, he leaves. He goes back to the car, but Victoria's not in the car. Mm. And some guy turns around with a gun on him, and it's two Irish guys. He looks over and Victoria's screaming in another car yeah. with a bunch apparently, of Irish guys. Apparently, if you pause, I read it. Apparently, if you pause, you can see the. Um, Razor, the scar razors. You can see him in the front seat with a bullet in his head, and he's like slumped over in oh, the seat. Oh shit! So she's screaming in the car as they're taking him, and then we get this extended scene uh, that oh. is only cut by one moment of Pierce Brosnan shoving his gun into uh, uh, Bob Hoskins' face. Just Bob Hoskins' face. It's so good, though. It's so crazy, and apparently they just ran the camera on his face for five minutes. 
But you you see a man that is going through the five stages of grief. Yes, and he does it all with his face. Yeah, he's he's like he's like bargaining. It's incredible. He's like, he's like denying. He's like he's all doing this in his face, and then finally by the end of it, you can see that there's like a grim acceptance. If I was ever going to show someone the an example of acting, yeah. that would be the scene. Yeah, exactly. Because that is just like you mentioned the stages of grief. It's all there in his. He doesn't say a single fucking word. No. It's all there in his eyes and is like and watching his mouth as he moves and just like as he looks around and try as he's like trying to like figure out a way to get the fuck out of here. What's yeah. he gonna do? And then he's he gonna get out of this. And I'm then not. eventually it's just like, well, I guess it's a fair cop. <laughs> and in, in Mona Lisa, I think we get a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, especially in like in Mona Lisa, if you remember the scene where she tries to hire him to find her friend, we get a little bit of that when he's like kind of contemplating and stuff. But in this movie, that scene is amazing. I think I feel like that final shot made everyone take notice. Yes, absolutely. It should be up there as one of the great like ways to end. How many movie. people could do that? Yeah. How many people off. could pull off you said they shot for five minutes. Five straight minutes on him. It, it's in the movie, about two of those make it in. Yeah, at least. Yeah. And it's just like it's Guys, they don't cut away. They cut away once and yeah. cut back. And it's incredible. Yeah, it's a it's, shot of a man's face. And it, it is it is you just coming to terms with everything that he's coming to terms with. Like, this is the end for me. This is the, you know, so I the messed movie, with the wrong bull. Yeah, so the movie, you would argue, is inevitably they're both dead. Yeah, no. He I mean, and Victoria are dead. Exactly. And the IRA are taking over, basically. And, and as far as history goes, uh, that's what happened. But, now, Jason, the <laughs> sequel that almost happened... It was going to be called Black Easter Monday. Well, of course. Why wouldn't it be? They should have called it the short, bad Easter Monday. <laughs> did you? Did, so do you know what the, the sequel was going to be? No. Give me a rundown. I, I didn't know okay. that far. So Barry Keefe, the screenwriter, uh, he did write this sequel, Black mm-hmm. Easter Monday. It was going to be set 20 years after the events of the first movie. But it opened with Bob Hoskins, uh, with Harold Shan, with Bob Hoskins' character, escaping from the IRA, yeah. despite being in the car, after the car was pulled over by police. Wow. Uh, Hoskins would then retire to Jamaica then returned to stop the East End from being taken over by Yardies. However, the film was never made. That sounds not good. It sounds very by the numbers. I don't like the idea of like, okay, I don't like the idea of a movie ending with like a perfect like, um, not inevitable. What's the word I'm looking for? It's like, it's not necessarily, it's kind of vague, not vague, but do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, like up in the air, like you're not quite sure what's going to happen, but you kind of have a good idea. I don't like a sequel coming in and being like, no, no, he made it out. There kind of is a sequel to this movie and it's called Sexy Beast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In the sense that that kind of, you know, if if Bob Hoskins goes to like a tropical island to get away. He becomes Ray Winstone. Yeah, he becomes Ray Winstone and then one of his former associates comes to find him and, and, you know, like it could be that. That seems to me to be a more type of transition where he doesn't want to go back to England and then eventually he's dragged back there. His friend is Razors. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I, I... I don't like I don't like when they do that. Like in the, in the same way that I don't like how Alien Three starts off with like murdering everybody. Well, the kid from the second one <laughs> yeah. is just dead at the beginning. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, we spent an entire movie caring about what's her name? Uh, uh, Newt. Newt. We spent an entire movie caring about yeah. if Newt was gonna live. Newt and Hicks both. And yeah, we start the third one with them both dead. Like, yeah. it's well, just you know, Brendan, there is an alternate version of Alien 3. That's your comics. Call, I thought you were gonna call me bro, 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 just, bro. You gotta understand, bro. Vince Russo wrote a comic about aliens, and it's even better than ever. Sounds and, terrible, yeah. And Sid's in it, and no, no oh, okay, Vince I'm Russo in. never did. That. I'm in, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I don't like that, that sequel at all. Yeah, it's well, like because you, you, the whole thing is that they die, mm. you don't start the next one with like, no. Oh, 
They live, and that takes away the whole message of what the was first Michael movie. Bean too expensive? David Fincher? <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking about this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, we're off of aliens, Jason. <laughs> no, um, I just don't, I don't like the idea of like... Um, and, and the fact that this the ending in this movie ties in thematically to the movie so well. Hmm. And then we come in with a sequel and say, eh, fuck it, he lives. Like, this is the kind of movie that if you wanted to do another movie, you'd have to do a prequel. Like, you'd, you'd have to do, yeah. like, the, the, his rise to power. But why would you ever do that? Unless, unless we someday find a young man who has a strong resemblance to Bob Hoskins, which probably won't happen because that's not the kind of guy that gets acting jobs these days. No. Although, you know who plays a good gangster, surprisingly? Paul not, Bettany. Not, what? Paul Bettany. I mean, yeah, but I was going to say, uh, surprisingly, in a movie that I did not care for, but I did like him in it, uh, The Kitchen, uh, it was uh, Donald, Donald Gleason. He plays a very good gangster. He plays a very intimidating dude. Donald Gleason. Donald he, Gleason. He's Brendan Gleason's son. Is he General Hux in the yes. start? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, yeah, fuck that sequel. Brendan Gleason, by the way, awesome actor. He, he could probably pull it off he if he could. was a little oh, yeah. younger. A little younger. Even Ray Winstone should play brothers in a movie. There you go. Yeah. What, would they, what would they call it, Jason? Uh, sexy beasts. <laughs> Two sexy fuckers. And and how? where is that going to be titled? Like <laughs> Thailand? <laughs> We're only going to play it in porno theaters. <laughs> okay. In Thailand. But it's not porno. At least until the naked wrestling match, but... We'll get there. <laughs> um, okay, so I mentioned you, you said earlier his speech to the Americans. And I kind of yes. want to play this, and I want to ask you a question right after. Yes. So this, yeah, I just want to say I love this thing. It's just, it's so, it's it's such a, this would be such a crowd-rousing thing, I imagine, for a British audience. Just because yeah. it's so, it is really funny. This is Bob Hoskins when he gets turned down by the Americans near yes. the end of the movie. Just before he meets his fate. Yeah. Um, just goes on this little rant against, uh, against them. And then I want to ask you something. Sure. I'm glad I found out in time just what a partnership with a pair of wankers like you would have been. A sleeping partner's one thing, but you're in a fucking coma. No wonder you got an energy crisis your side of the water. Vast British. We used to have a bit more vitality, imagination, chatting a Dunkirk spirit, know what I mean? The days when Yanks could come over here and buy up Nelson's column and an Arley Street surgeon and a couple of windmill girls are definitely over. Now look. Shut up, you long streak of paralyzed piss. What I'm looking for is someone who can contribute to what England has given to the world. Culture, sophistication, genius. A little bit more than an hot dog, know what I mean? We're in the common market now. And my new deal is with Europe. I'm going into partnership with a German organization. Yeah, the Krauts. They've got ambition, know-how. And they don't lose their bottle. Look at you. The mafia. <laughs> I've shit them. My question to you, Jason. Sure. Is this director John McKenzie... Is this director John McKenzie's attack on American cinema? Because <laughs> there are some lines in this. It's like you know, we're creative, we're we're inspirational, we're we're you know we're geniuses, and you Americans come here with your odd dog like bullshit. Yeah. Do you think this is him attacking American films at the time? Uh, now that you say it, yeah, sure, that sounds like a possibility. That wasn't how I took it, but but yeah, it could very well be. It just strikes me as a British guy who just loves his country. Yeah, or, it just it just feels like the director's like I'm just gonna put that or Barry Keefe, I should say, yes. the writer. Uh, but it feels like he just was like eh, fuck American cinema. <laughs> 
I do also like how we see a lot of inner workings of the mafia in the mm-hmm. sense that they're like, okay, so you got to go do this. You got to cover up this. Here's your money to take the body to the yeah. to the hospital. Don't tell anyone. Here's your payoff. We see a lot of like... We see the gears turning. Yeah, we see a lot of like, not bureaucracy, but like the politics, yeah. uh, the machine spinning. Yeah, which you don't often see. Like yeah. the, the work that actually needs to be done to run a successful gang. Yeah, we see like the. Uh, I mean, we have the, the dirty cop. Yeah. We even meet his like uh, his new guy. His new guy, the grass. Yes, uh, which is like an informant. Oh uh, well, yeah, no, because he's there with. Uh, I was talking about the other guy. He's there with a the new cop who's clearly also on the take now. Oh yeah, yeah. And then yeah, the grass. They put in the informant, the guy that they end up slicing his ass with a fucking machete, mm-hmm. and the rest of them too. I don't know if they kill him, but they uh, they do a number on him. No, they they don't kill him now. Does he show up later? I think uh, it's don't remember if they do, but but he, they definitely walk out and you don't see what happened. But I mean, maybe they, they do. sliced his legs the fuck up, so he was bleeding pretty bad. I have to imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, so quickly, a couple of lines I liked. It's bad <laughs> luck to put the hat on the bed. I feel like at the end of the movie, as we see the, uh, and I'd have to look back to see for sure, but I think uh, just before Bob Hoskins comes in and delivers that speech, the hat is sitting on the bed. It is on the bed. Okay, so explain the hat on the bed thing. That's just the the American guy. Well, Charlie. Like, yeah, Charlie. He has his hat on the bed. I don't know. Does Bob Hoskins put his hat on the bed or does he have his hat no, on the bed? No, he had, no, because uh, no, Hoskins doesn't have a hat. He that, but he, no. he just says bad luck to put the hat on the bed. Yeah, and it's Charlie, the American guy, has yeah. his hat on the bed. Yeah. yeah. And then later, like you said, during that last scene, just before Hoskins is inevitably killed, yeah, um, yeah he has his hat on the, on the bed. That's interesting. Uh, I already said, I want to look every inch of you, which is a weird thing to say in an elevator to a woman. But in those days, that was more likely that people probably would try that. Mm. Although, you know, today, I imagine it still happens. So uh, sorry about that, ladies, on behalf of the rest of us. There's <laughs> uh, a little dignity in that, going out like a raspberry ripple. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's the scene where... Uh, so after Colin has been murdered in the pool, they and said they they're going to the stow his body in, the, in an ice cream truck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other line that I really liked was when he, when he's in the casino and he's asking the casino attendant, he's like, was anything unusual happen today? Anything unusual? And he goes, no, there wasn't anything unusual. And he goes, nothing unusual, he says. Eric's been blown to smithereens, Colin's been carved up, but I've got a bomb in me casino and you say nothing unusual. <laughs> And, and that's the thing, like, the, so those are the few first few things that happen. Like, the the guy gets blown up when he starts his car. Mm-hmm. Colin uh, swindles the IRA because he's a bit of a moron. Yeah. Um, and gets killed in the pool by Pierce Brosnan yeah. and another guy. And, uh, and, and yeah, there's a bomb in his casino. And I love the way he just casually meets up with that dirty cop. He's like, hey, here's a bomb. Can you, can you figure out where this came from? And he's like, you've been driving around with a bomb in your car? Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's, it, the fuse is cut. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Just take it. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very, very casual. Um, I do want to, uh, I do want to play one more thing here. Oh, one little random trivia fact. Before I play this. Before I play this. Before you play this. Hmm. So you remember the scene where he goes out to his car and there's a bunch of kids there, and he pays the, and and he's gonna chip the kid of the money and I shouldn't use that word. He's gonna he's gonna rip off the kid and then the he like, should have took the money up front and then he does pay him. Yeah, because they say like, oh, we were watching your car for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the kid that he's talking to is uh, uh, Derek Fl- uh, Dexter Fletcher, oh. who we may remember as playing young Caravaggio in yep. Caravaggio. Oh God. <laughs> And the man who um, saved uh, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody and that it almost didn't have a director because Brian Singer was a piece of shit. Bum, bum, bum. And a pedophile. I didn't say that. Brendan said that. Well, it's pretty much 
known. <laughs> allegedly. I mean, he, yeah, he probably is. But allegedly, just for your legal protection. So I want to play one more uh, one more clip here, Jason. This is the scene. Uh, so we talked about Helen Mirren kind of smoothing things over with the Americans um, at the at the restaurant, right? Yeah. Because they try to go to his restaurant at first, and it blows the fuck yeah. up. And that's when he says, like, oh, there, there, it turns out there was a gas leak. Yeah. Uh, a don't, gas leak. don't worry about it, Americans. Um, <laughs> but when she she basically has to tell the Americans what happened because they say, look, we're not we're not dumb. We're not dumb. Don't bullshit us. Um, and then she tells them, like, everything that's happened, and they basically – it wasn't in the clip, but they basically tell her you have 24 hours to turn this all around. Um, so this is the scene where Victoria kind of reveals to Harold that she told them and his reaction and their little bit together here. And I, I want to play this for you. Well, do it. How'd it go with Charlie? Well, I stopped them going home. Going home? Yeah, they were going home. They're not stupid. They knew it was a bomb. And now they know the rest. Where? I told them. You did what? I told them everything, Harold. I had to. Victoria. Listen, sweetheart. I'm setting up the biggest deal in Europe with the hardest organisation since Hitler stuck a swastika on his jockstrap. I've been to incredible lengths all day to keep it incognito. And now you, over a sherry, calmly tell the whole story. I had to tell them everything or the deal would have been finished. Harold, your trouble is you just don't understand their psychology. Bollocks, you smart pret. I can't talk to you. I'm going to bed. Good night. Boy, come here, I'm talking to you. Don't treat me like one of your thugs. What's happening to me? I'm sorry. For ten years, it's been calm. No trouble. Now this. Listen, I will know you for the world. Come on. I'm so scared, Harold. I don't want to die. Don't let them kill us. So a couple things. Mm. Um, that's the closest he gets to hitting her as yeah. he shoves her down on the couch and immediately regrets it. Yeah. Very different from Mona Lisa no, where he's just batting Kathy Tyson around like nothing. Yeah. Um, the other – because I think I think that speaks to their relationship. Yeah. It's just he, he – even just like shoving her down, he's like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah, like, he, he's – Self-aware enough to realize that that's not how he normally is or how he should be acting. Yeah, and it's a stark difference from how he has to handle his business elsewhere. Also, what I really like in that scene is that Helen Mirren has that breakdown where she's just like, she is thinking the inevitable now too. She's like, this is not going to end well. I love the the line read on, don't treat me like one of your thugs. It just, it's a very 30s kind of uh, thing. But it's also, you know, it's relevant to the scene for sure. Like, yeah, that's how he would, he would get physical with... His guys, but that's not how you should treat your wife, you know. No, and uh, and and well, I don't know. I think I think are they married? I think oh, it's just his girlfriend, wife, girlfriend, yeah. significant other, partner, business partner. 
but there either are all but, sorts of things. But either way, like I, I do like, I just really like that scene, and 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 it shows him too as he's consoling her. You kind of see a little bit under the surface of like he's like, he's not too sure about this whole thing either. Yeah, well, because his whole his whole thing that he has spent ten years quietly building up and being able to do is going to come crashing down over the course of about 48 hours because yeah. of one stupid decision made by a guy who thought he'd like an extra 5,000 pounds in his pocket. And that's the thing. He even says in that scene, like 10 years, yeah. 10 years down the drain. Um, and it also, another thing about that scene that's really cool is that it foreshadows his, how his temper could suddenly go from zero to a hundred. Yeah for a moment so bad that he doesn't even realize as it's happening and of course that comes back to haunt him later when he fucking kills Jeff kills with a bottle Jeff just murders the fuck just, out of him just bottles him um uh what's it, the only thing the other thing I wanted to say oh there was another line there was a line that I really liked um when he's reminiscing about Colin mm. he says Colin never heard a fly well only when it was necessary yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like that um I'm not going to get to the final words yet, but is there anything else you want to say before we move on? No, I think I've covered uh, pretty much. Oh, the other thing, I w- actually, one thing I wanted to say just about Britain in general from this movie is... Fuck you! What's <laughs> what's with your money? It's so fucking big. Is it still that big? I don't think it, ca- it can't possibly still be that big, but it looks like they're carrying around fucking napkins or uh, serviettes. Get at Jason on Twitter. Yeah, tell me. What's up with your fucking money? Why is at it so big? Jason D. McLeod. <laughs> also, uh, send me some. <laughs> I'll take it all. Well, Jason, I can't tell you how much this movie made because because I'm not sure of the box I was take or even the U.S. rentals. That's usually yeah. my fallback. But this movie cost uh, 930 thousand pounds. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, I don't know even I don't know how, what that is. <laughs> 1980. And... I, I, if something cost 930 thousand pounds a day, it'd be like a I don't know 1.25 million or something. Okay, so just over a million probably in 1980 money. This kind of surprised me a little bit. Is that it doesn't go to the Oscars at all? Not even for Bob Hoskins. It's amazing. Did I? I'm. I'm. I guess it just didn't get the same kind of play in America. Probably. Yeah, that's that's probably what it is. Honestly, I think Mona Lisa was a more uh, was a more known movie than this. Well, one. obviously they weren't that confident in it, in it. The American side, if they thought that they should dub Bob Hoskins' voice, like God damn it. <laughs> Does go to the BAFTAs, but it's only nominated for one award. Doesn't hmm. win anything. Uh, best actor Bob Hoskins well, uh, loses to our old friend Burt Lancaster Ooh. for the, a movie called Atlantic City, USA. Huh? About casinos, maybe? Is Donald Trump in that movie? Yeah, he makes a cameo. Burt Lancaster's <laughs> running through the lobby of the hotel, and he says, "Where's the casino?" And he's like, "Right Just over there." Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Trump. Hey, yeah. It was nice to see you. And then CBC cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> totally for political reasons, Absolutely. you guys. SJW, CBC. Not, yeah. in twi- not in 2014 or anything. <laughs> oh, so The Long Good Friday, an hour and 54 minutes, shot on 35 millimeter film, 24 frames per second. It is not related to the uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Gina Davis, I think, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, or was that Michelle Pfeiffer? I no, it's, it's Gina Davis. Gina Davis. I know. That is a great movie. Uh, well, we talked about it on another or my other podcast, <laughs> but yeah, it is enjoyable. Um, so Jason, Long Good Friday, what do you think? Great movie. Fucking awesome gangster movie. If you want to see a British gangster movie that doesn't have the, uh, the cocaine-infused hyper-connectivity of a Guy Ritchie, film you might want to check out this one and if you wanted a little more action and brutality than mona lisa you're definitely going to want to check out this one this might be in my top three yeah uh, like of all the ones we've talked about not not of not not of the current like three or four we've talked about so far in this batch (laughs) but i mean i think this might be in my top three of 
all of the ones we've watched. I feel like mine will probably be it'll probably be up near the top. It's, it's a really up fucking there. good movie. As much as I liked Mona Lisa, I think this is a stronger film like I don't know. I was definitely more entertained by this film. Yeah. And I, and I liked Bob Hoskins' performance in it more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, I don't want to downgrade Mona Lisa. No, Mona Lisa was great. great. But this is like, it feels like a fuller movie. Mm. Like a fuller house. Yeah. And it's specific, because where Mona Lisa focused mainly on the relationship of this low-level gangster and this uh, prostitute, um, this movie takes a much bigger view of this guy and his organization. Oh, yeah. This is like a macro. Yeah. But at the same time, it's very character-based, too. Yeah, but it does both. Yeah. Whereas does. Mona Lisa, if you want to see a movie about kind of crime and stuff, Mona Lisa is not the movie not for the you. One. That's like watching the movie Titanic if you're a history buff. Or, or <laughs> you're watching Titanic and you're super into boats. Yeah. <laughs> or watching Pearl Harbor and you're a history buff. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Take some liberties. Mm. <laughs> Japanese do not hold their meetings outside. God damn it. They should. It was really pretty. Yeah, it was really pretty. And they wear those white uniforms so they'd be nice and cool. Michael Bay is such a good director. Isn't he, though? No. Mm. No, he's not. Yeah. Take so it back. I'd like to... I don't know. My wife probably wouldn't like this, but I'd like to have my own film franchise so I could fuck the star. Hmm. Wait, what? Did he do that? Did he fuck... Uh, what's her face? Megan Fox? Yeah. I don't think she liked him. No, 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 no. She didn't like him, but... <laughs> All right, we're not going to go down this road. <laughs> So yeah, no, I think I think this movie's amazing. Um, I think it's probably one of the seminal like Jason give me a really weird look. I think it's one of the. It's like sem- you said the word seminal, and I laughed. Seminal British gangster movies um, yeah. or gangster movies in general, and I think being twenty one on the list is really cool. I think it should be very high up the list. Um, and I'm disappointed. I, did, did Guy Ritchie ever work with Bob Hoskins? I don't think so. I don't think so. Bob That's Hoskins was never in like Snatch no. or Lockstock. No, no it's I think shame. it was outside of his budget. Yeah. I mean, in 90, 99, I think, uh, 98, 99, Bob Hoskins was a pretty big star. Yeah. So. Unfortunate. Unfortunate that he was a big star? Yeah, yeah. I want him to be small and just for me. Just for me. Oh, God, you're one of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, we, we covered it. Long Good Friday. Very, really great, great movie. Um, we have now uh, definitively said everything about this movie that will ever be said. So ever be said. We're never revisiting it. Consider un- yourself covered. We're never revisiting it until next week. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of next week, Jason, what's got to happen here? Now is the time of the dice roll. Dice roll. This is the part of the program, Brendan, where we are presented with, well, I specifically am presented with two D10s. Mm, show we the have, people. They're there. We have a green one with uh, tens, and we have a red one with ones. And using these two dies, we will scientifically produce a number that we will use to the corresponding number on the British Film Institute's Top 100 list. And that will be the next movie we watch. Wow. That was the longest explanation <laughs> to something as simple as, we're going to roll the dice and get a number, and that's the one we watch. I like to talk. Let's do this. That's why we have a podcast. What is our? Fr- what are we in? We're in the tens, buddy. Oh, we're one to nine. Well, we're we don't have a nine. lot of choices yeah, well, here. Let's see if we don't hit a roll again here. Okay, let's go see this. Four. We have it? done the thirty-nine steps. Oh, it's a good movie. Yeah. All right, we'll try again here. Let's see where we go. Eighties. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's I only got quite a few here. Quite a few. Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Okay, we're going to do a, a comedy Yay. from 1996 called Brassed Off, starring, starring Ewan McGregor and oh. Pete Postlethwaite. Oh, I like both those guys. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Wonderful. The late Pete Postlethwaite. Is that how you actually That's how I say it. Okay. I, I don't know. That's how you say it. Postal. Postlethwaite. Postlethwaite. 
prostate. Close enough. Prostate. Pete prostate. prostate. Oh, Petey prostate. Oh, Pete prostate. I just picture like an educational film. Like, here to teach you all about it is old friend Pete prostate. There's a lot of fun you can have with me. <laughs> He's just farting the whole time. Oh, we have fun. We do. And we're going to have fun next week when we watch 1996's Brast Off. Oh, testing Jason's memory there. Very good. You passed, you passed the Yay. test and the Bechdel test. Woohoo! I mean, did I? No. This, neither did this movie. We should go back and see how many of these movies have passed the Bechdel test. Well, there's I'm a whole sure podcast for that. I'm going to go see Jamie Loftus and, and Caitlin Durante, I think, do a whole podcast. We don't need that. to plug other podcasts. Well, I'm going to plug them because I love Jamie Loftus. She uh, is wonderful. But we, I would honestly be like interested to see how many of these because i feel i feel like so far it's maybe zero yeah yeah probably <laughs> maybe, well maybe taste of honey uh, she does she ever talk to another woman her mom i guess yeah. they, believe they, talk they don't, about they don't always talk about the guy eh, yeah. yeah maybe maybe i feel like um i feel like clockwork orange passes the back to the sure yeah so anyway yeah so we'll talk about brassed off next week it's another uh we're going up in the years we're still fairly modern yeah 1996 1996 one of the newer movies on the list Um, when i was in sixth grade and i was 10 there you go nine or ten Jason, they can find us on social media. They, they can, can look on Facebook. Thank you for affirming that. They can look on or confirming Happy that. They can look on for us on Facebook. Just search for For Screen. Not in the country. You can find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can find Jason on Twitter. At Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Show me your British money. Tell me why it's so big and send me it all. And you can send that to him via Venmo. Please. Or Western Union. I would just take pictures of your money. That would be something. Or PayPal. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'd be happy if you just ship me just a, a bag full of, of pounds coins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be good. Mm-hmm. You can use some of the coins to pay the shipping if you need to. Mm-hmm. What if they use all the coins to pay the shipping? Then you just get an then empty I get envelope. A cool sack. <laughs> Don't we all? Yep. With that being said, I just have one thing to say to you: God save the queen. God save the screen. For Screen and Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Let's watch the long kiss goodnight. On Friday. On Friday. Good night. Sunday morning. Such a feeling's coming over me. There is wonder in most everything I see. Not a cloud in the sky. Got the sun in my eyes and I won't be surprised if it's a dream everything i want the world to be is now coming true especially for me and the reason is clear it's because you are here you're the nearest thing to heaven that i've seen i'm on the top of the I can find is the love that I found ever since you've been around. Your love's put me at the top of the world. Something in the wind has learned my name, and it's telling me that things are not the same. In the trees and the church of the breeze
there's a pleasing sense of happiness for me. There is only one wish on my mind. When this day is through, I hope that I will find that tomorrow will be just the same for you and me. All I need will be mine if you are. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes, the Google Play, yes, Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say. Ah. Yeah, all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, Pete. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace.